0: We're going to deal with a whole new section. A whole new section. And I want us to go back just a moment and remember some things. There's seven parallel sections. Remember they're like roads running parallel. We've been through four of them. The first one was when our Lord Jesus Christ was walking in the midst of the candlesticks. You know, as a clothed in a golden girdle, hair white as snow. Uh, in his hands he had seven stars and he sent messages to the seven churches when he first come he said he first come then ever eye shall behold him so we have his coming what he does and then he goes back to glory and that lasted through chapters 1 through 3 and then in chapter 4 through chapter 7 you have the vision of heaven and the seals, you know, the door was opened in heaven. And John went up there and he saw that seven, that book with that seven seals. And the Lord Jesus taking that book out of his hand and opening those seven seals. And as we dealt with those seals that were open, God's will, God's purpose in this world, his decree being carried out. Then we had the seven trumpets. Seven trumpets of woe. And we finished up the seventh trumpet. Last year, I mean last week before last. But look what it says there in verse 19 of chapter 11. That started in chapter 8 and went down through verse 1. And here's the last thing. Heaven's opened again now. And the temple of God was opened in heaven. And there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. Lightnings and voices, thunderings and an earthquake and a great, great hail. For the Lord's people, it's a glorious thing. For those outside of Christ, it's the judgment. And here we're going to start the fourth parallel thing. This goes from verse 1 all the way through chapter 14 down to verse 20. And all of these sections, every one of them that I've went through, we have Christ's first coming. We have what happens to his people while they're on this earth. What goes on in their lives while they're on this earth. their are things that they go through. And then he ascends back to glory. And then the judgment comes. And we're going to go through the same thing again, but it's going to go in a different way. And here we start in another dispensation, another parallel passage. And John takes us back in his vision. He takes us back to the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ and his ascension again. Now let's start reading here in chapter 12 and verse 1. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven. Now it's got to be a wonder. It's got to be really something for heaven to say it's a great wonder. For God to say that. For God to say it's a great, great wonder in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pained to be delivered. And, his, and there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, stop and look at this thing, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered. For to buy her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. Her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. You know, and it doesn't end until we get to chapter 14. I want you to look in chapter 14 and verse 14. See where this thing ends at. I told you, we have Christ coming. This is His birth. And then it's the, back in glory, He's ascended. And He said, I looked and behold a great white cloud and upon the cloud one set like unto the Son of Man, having on His head a golden crown and in His hand a sharp sickle. He's fixing to harvest, make harvest in this world. now, <clears throat> We'll see judgment again. Well, here we with this these chapters that we're going to deal with this evening, and start here in chapter twelve and go through verse four, chapter fourteen. We see the great opposition; those that hate Christ hate the Lord Jesus Christ, hate His people. First of all, you got the dragon. I mean, the dragon. That dragon is Satan. There's no doubt about that. Then you got over here. I think in chapter. Uh, Thirteen. You got down here in verse, verse one of chapter thirteen. You got a beast. There's two different beasts now. One comes out of the sea, and one comes out of the earth. These oppose Christ. And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his head. Listen to this: the name of blasphemy. Huh? And then look down. In verse eleven. And beheld I and I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns, like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And then you got Babylon. So you got all these people opposing Christ. And then you have the men with the mark of the beast. And the rest of the book, as we get through it, we'll see all of those and what happens to them that oppose the Lord Jesus Christ and his people. Now I want to give you a brief outline. Of chapter 12, if I can. The dragon, he is pictured here as seeking to destroy this man child, destroyed the Lord Jesus Christ. He always has sought to destroy the Lord Jesus Christ. He fails. He fails. You know, he says down here in verse 6 in the woman, chapter 12, and the woman fled into the wilderness, had a place prepared for God. And I tell you what, God prepared her a place. And he fails, and he fails, and he fails. And look in verse 10, he says here, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is salvation come. Now is salvation come. And he persecutes this woman that brought forth the Lord Jesus Christ. And look what he says down here in verse 13. And when the dragon saw that he was cast under the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. Persecuted her. Persecuted her. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, still trying to get her, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman. And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And listen to this now. And the dragon was angry, angry with the woman. Went in to make war, since he couldn't get the woman, couldn't destroy the woman. Look what he says. He went in to make war with the remnant of her seed. Who are those? Those that keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. He can't destroy the remnant, so he goes after God's people. Goes after God's people. And I tell you what, and he's going to get, he, you know, And I don't know about you, but I'm certainly grateful that God has got control over him. I certainly am thankful for that. But in these first six verses, that's all I'm going to deal with tonight. Try to give you a little outline there. We see this symbolic picture here. And the picture describes some things. And what does this picture mean? There's three characters, three characters in these first three verses six verses. Three characters. You've got the woman, and that woman represents the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, symbolizes the church. And I tell you, and then the church, you got the church, and then you got the dragon, and then you got the Lord Jesus Christ. And you got the child, and you got the dragon. You got those three people. But these, first of all, this picture means it's these first three characters, the woman, she represents the church, symbolic of the church. So I want you to see with me in, in Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54. You know, God... You know, we're, we're viewed as the bride of Christ. Christ is the groom, and God's always viewed the church as a woman. Always viewed her as someone that brings forth children, and this is what God says, you know, about the church. He said here in verse one, Isaiah fifty-four: Sing, O barren, you never married, you don't have any children. Break forth into singing, cry aloud. That thou didst not travail with child, for more for more are the children of the desolate. That's talking about the Gentiles here, than the children of the married wife, Israel saith the Lord. And then he says, "This you enlarge the place of your tent. You go, God's going to enlarge you and let them stretch forth the curtains of thy habitation. Spare not, lengthen thy cords and strengthen, strengthen thy stakes." So he's talking here about. We're bringing forth children in God's elect. Now look over here in Isaiah 66. And look in verse 7. He's talking about Zion now. Before she travailed, she brought forth. Before her pain came, she was delivered of a man-child. Who hath heard such a thing? Who has seen such a thing? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as, as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. Shall I bring to the birth and not cause to bring forth? Saith the Lord. Shall I cause to bring forth and shut up the womb? Saith thy God. Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad with her. All ye that love her. Rejoice for joy with all you that mourn for her. See, it's a woman, that you may suck and be satisfied with the breast of her consolation, that you may milk out and be delighted with the abundance of her glory. For thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river, and the glory of the Gentiles like a flowing stream. Then shall you suck. You shall be borne upon her sides and be dandled upon her knees." As one whom his mother comforted, so will I comfort you, and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. And when you see this, your heart shall rejoice, and your bones shall perish like an herb, and the hand of the Lord shall be known unto his servants and his indignation towards his enemies. So he's talking about us being the church and the children. And God calls our tent to enlarge. He brought forth a lot of children in his church and i tell you something about the church. Carter talked about her. The church is the same in whatever age it is. The church is the same. We're all one, chosen in Christ. God views us all as one. We're chosen in Christ. And he talked about that tent. We're all in the same tent. God has us as a vineyard. He said, there's only one vineyard. And then he calls us a family. There's only one family. And Abraham's the father of all believers. And you remember when we talked about the olive tree? One olive tree. One elect race on this earth. One royal priesthood. One holy nation, he calls us. One people of God's possession. One bride. One consummation. And as he Red he called us a peculiar people. That peculiar means that we're his possession. That we belong to him. And he treats us like we're the apple of his eyes. And I tell you what, here on this earth, when you think about it, now you think about it, you think about the Lord's people. Here on earth, the church, God's people, are considered insignificant. I mean, they really are insignificant. You see how the church started out the first person you you find that mentioned that walked with God was Enoch. Only Enoch. And then when you got down to, to, to Noah, oh, Noah and his, eight of them were saved in the ark. They've always been significant. The world goes on like they don't even exist. And I tell you, people get on the radio and they advertise their place. Oh, we're not the best and all that. But I tell you, we're we'll going to do this, that, and the other. And I tell you what, but here we have God's view of his church, the view of his people. God has a different view of us than the world does. I mean, you think about it. We're absolutely insignificant in this world. How many, how many of God's elect, you know, the only people the know anything about God's people is God's people the only people who know where God's elect are God's elect and that's why the Lord's people can go anywhere where God's people are and God's children are and he can fit again you know why because we're all the same one we all belong to one another and we all belong to Christ and we're insignificant on this earth absolutely insignificant oh my you know you go in and tell somebody say I'm a preacher oh I'm a preacher too well, God saved me. Well, I'm saved too. You know, it's, you, can't, you can't mention religion without somebody saying, well, I don't want nothing to do with it. One or the other. They're either going to be religious or they're going to say, well, i just soon not talk about it. But i tell you what, here we have God's view of it. Look what he said in verse 1. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven. And what does he say? He said, a woman, A woman. Look what she looks like in God's sight. She's all glorious. First of all, she's clothed with the sun. Oh, the sun. The sun, she's clothed with the sun. How bright is the sun? And that sun represents the glorious righteousness of Christ that shines, that shines on us. And God views us as this great sun shining down on this woman. And then look what else it says. And the moon was under her feet. <laughs> you know, the world about that, but God says here, yeah, the moon's under her feet. What does that mean? The moon's her footstool. The moon's her footstool. Now, what does that mean? You know, the moon has no light of its own. The moon has no light of its own. The only time you see the moon, it's a reflection of the sun. That's all it is. And the only light you and I have, is the reflection of Christ on us and here he says the moon is our footstool and I tell you and she has a she has dominion look what it says look what it says so she, God gave her dominion on this earth and up on her head a crown of twelve stars twelve blessed stars like the apostles like the the patriarchs and when you see those crowns those crowns uh symbolizes that she's victorious. You read tonight, a crown of righteousness given to them that love him. A crown of righteousness, crown of life to them that wait upon him. And she was with child. She was with child. And she brought forth Christ as concerning the flesh. Now I want you to understand this. Christ was born of a virgin, but the church, God gave Christ to the church. And according to the flesh he was born. Born after the son of David. And I tell you she brought forth Christ as concerning the flesh. Now I'm going to tell you something. You know when Christ was promised in Genesis 3.15. And you go through the scriptures. And you see the promised seed all the way through. God made promises of his seed coming. Christ coming. And he started with Seth. Out of Seth came... Israel and all the twelve tribes of Israel. And then, then there came Abraham. And then there came Isaac. And then there came Jacob and Esau. And out of all those people, God had Seth. Then he had Abraham. Then he comes along and he has Israel. And he protects his seed all the way down through history. And all the time in history, they're trying to kill the Son of God. They're trying to destroy the Son of God. Satan works again. The first time that you find Satan working, you know where he's working at? To stop the birth of the Son of God. To control the human race. He appeared to the first two people that God made on this earth and the first thing he did is he lied on God. And he's been lying on God ever since. And he wanted wanted to do his dead level best to keep Christ from coming into this world. And Christ come into this world and then he had David. And God told David, he made a promise to him, David, I tell you what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to give you a throne and your throne is going to last forever and ever and ever and ever. And when they preached on Pentecost, they said, David's in his grave. We can go where he's buried. But David had a son. God made him a promise that he's going to be on his throne. So Christ came According to the seed of David, the son of David, he came into this world. And he came into this world to save his elect. But that seed was protected from the time that God purposed for Christ to come to this earth. Until he should come as what? The seed of the woman. (laughs) Oh my. And and he's seen as the David according to the flesh. Let me show you that in Romans chapter 1. Look at this. Look in Romans chapter 1. You know, God protected that seed all the way. Not only that seed which was Christ, it tells us in Galatians, that seed was Christ and the seed of the woman. But then Christ has a seed which is all his elect. But look what it said here in Romans chapter 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God, which he had promised before by the prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, now listen to it, which was made of the seed of David, according to the flesh. And that's what it meant. But he was the Son of God who came of the sin of David. And alright, back over here in Revelations 12. I hope I can... And this child, this seed of the woman, look what it said in verse 2. And she being with child, cried. She was crying out. She was in pain. She was travailing in birth and in pain to be delivered and so this mighty child that's going to be born here is Christ our Lord made after the seed of David but he's Christ our Lord and I tell you she's she's going to be she's going to have a great time having this child but look what this child's going to do now look down verse 5 when this child's born look what he's born to do and she brought forth a man child listen to this Who was to rule all nations (laughs) with a rod of iron. And oh my, where was he gone? He was caught up unto God and unto his throne. Shows you who this man child was and what he's going to be like. And then oh my, he's caught up into heaven to the throne of God. And God, he said, he said on his heel, Holy Hill of Zion, His blessed King. And then look at the work that He does once He comes into this world. In verse 10, not only did He come, born into this world, a man-child, and I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Oh my, what's, what, what's going on? Now is salvation come. Why? Because that man-child's come. And strength and the kingdom of our God. It's here. And the power of his Christ. And then he set, cast down the accuser of our brethren. Which accused him day and night before God. Now comes salvation. Now comes strength. The kingdom of God. And the power of his son. And all of his authority. All of his blessed authority. Now let's look at this dragon. We see The woman. Oh, she's beautiful, glorious. God sees her. Clothed with the sun. Bright, shining in the righteousness of Christ. The child's born. Great pain to be born. And then look what he said. Here's another wonder in heaven. And there was a great red dragon. Dragon. You know who this dragon is? It's Satan himself. Look in Revelations 20, 20, 22, Excuse me. This is Satan himself. It's, uh, there's no doubt about that. This great dragon. Look what he said. And he laid on on that on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. So he's described as Satan, the dragon, the devil. And here he's called a dragon. Why is he called a dragon? Because he's got great, great strength. And he causes terror. And he's called a great red dragon. For fierceness, for his cruelty, for his meanness, for his hatred. And then it tells us here that he has seven heads. Seven heads. And on those seven heads, he's got seven crowns on those seven heads. And he's got ten horns. Now I want you to notice something. That those crowns cannot last. And I'll tell you what those crowns are. That means that he's got a false dominion. Christ's got one crown. And the crowns that his people have, they throw at his feet. But Satan wears his crowns. He wants everybody to see what power he has. And then he has those, seven, those ten horns showing how strength he's got and the power he's got and how destroying he is. He's called the God of this world. That's what he's called. And these crowns are not his but right. And one of the day God will take every one of them off of his head. But I want you to see a couple of things with me about this. About what we're fighting here. Look at with me in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. You know talking about this great dragon. You know. He's the God of this world with a little g. With a little g. And he said here in verse 2, Wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world. Now listen to this. According to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. The prince of the power of the air. Do you see a prince around here in the air anywhere? You go outside, you ain't going to see no prince in the air. This is a spiritual being that's got great power. He's a prince and he's got some power. And now look over here in chapter 6 and verse 12. Look what it says over here. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Oh no, we're not fighting flesh and blood. Mm -mm. No, no. But against principalities. Against powers. Against the rulers of darkness. Of this world. There's a darkness out here. There's principalities in this world. There's powers and demons and all that working in the world all the time. All the time. And we're warned against spiritual wickedness in high places. So that's what we're doing, and that's one other place I want to show you. So we're fighting against principalities and powers. You know, in Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, old Bunyan was walking where Christian was walking along. Faithful was it? Faithful was walking along, and he had something got on his shoulder and began to talk to him. He said. He said it began to make suggestions to him. And he said, I didn't know what voice it was. He said, I couldn't tell if it was, was it was my voice or Apollyon's voice. He said, you know, he said, I know, but he said, when Apollo, it was Satan himself. Satan was on his shoulder making suggestions to him. And you know where he ended up when he made those suggestions? He ended up in Downton Castle and couldn't find a key to get out. But I tell you what, you you don't have to live very long in this world before you don't have somebody whispering in your ear, you can do this, you can do that, you can do something else, you know, you can get by with this, you can get by with that, and you can get by with something else. Watch the thing today about a preacher killed his wife. (laughs) Poisoned her to death. You know why? They won't be married anymore. Well, just divorce her. Don't kill her. Oh, everybody won't do that. They want to get rid of what? (laughs) You know, but that's what I'm telling you. The spiritual wickedness, what made him do that? What went on in his mind? It surely wasn't God. It wasn't the Spirit of God. That was that spirit of darkness. He wasn't wrestling against flesh and blood. He was wrestling against spiritual darkness, spiritual wickedness, and the spiritual wickedness won out. And I tell you that, we ain't no match for the devil. I know that without a shadow of a doubt. I ain't no match for myself. I can't even control me. People get up and tell you all the time, you know, that you've you got to fight the devil, fight the devil. I tell you, the devil, God saved me from that man. He said he is a man who is a strong man armed. As long as his he keeps his goods, they're safe. Until a stronger man arm comes up and destroys him and takes him away. destroy. How does he keep us? He keeps us with lies. He keeps us with pride. He keeps us with self-righteousness. He keeps us with our religion. He keeps us with our experiences. He, got, he uses religion to keep... Get you a battle and get you a cross. And he's got you right where he wants you. We're no match for him. And God comes along and he said, Listen. I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna salt that strong man's arms. I'm gonna destroy his lies. I'm gonna tear down his righteousness. I'm gonna tear down their pride. I'm gonna tear down their experience. I'm gonna tear down everything that they hoped and trusted in, and make God brings them down, and when he gets done with them, they're tickled to death that he got them out of that big house. Ain't that right? Oh my. So this great red dragon, Satan, I tell you, look what our Lord said over here in John 6, 44. Excuse me, John 6, uh, 84. John 8, 44. I'll get it right in a minute. John 8, 44. Look what our Master told these people. He's talking to Jews now. He's talking to religious people. He's talking to people who don't know God. They said, Well, we never were in bondage. Our Lord said this if, if son make you free, you have being free. Well, we're never in bondage. we never been in bondage. I've never been a sinner. That's what people say. And oh my, look what he gets down here and, and he tells them. He said in verse forty three, Why do you not understand my speech, even because you cannot hear my word? Listen to this now. Ye of your father, the devil. Regardless, you are of your father the devil. And listen to this. And the lust of your father will you do. What was the lust of his father? To destroy Christ? To destroy his church? To destroy his people? And listen to what he said. He was a murderer from the beginning. Who did he murder? He murdered Adam and Eve. He murdered them. Destroyed them. And look what it says here. And he didn't abide in the truth. Why didn't he? Because he don't have the truth in him. What one truth is in this person. And when he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he's a liar, and he's the father of a liar. And so that's what he's like. what our Lord said. So that's what I You know, wouldn't it be awful for Christ to say your father's the devil? And he told to, he told them over in Timothy, he says, you know, they're taken captive by Satan at his will and so back over here in Revelation let me go back over here now and so here's this great red dragon having seven heads oh my Christ has one we have one head he's got seven I mean he wants everybody to know how powerful he is how great he is ten horns to go around and beat and beat people and Be cruel to people. Seven false crowns on his head. And then it says there in verse 4, And his tail drew third part of the stars, did cast to the earth. And the dragon stood ready before the woman, which was ready to be delivered. Now watch this. To devour her child as soon as it was born. You know, do you all remember when the Lord Jesus was born? Herod told the wise men, said, now you come back. You know, they followed that start of where he's born. He said, when you go down there, you come back and tell me where he is. I want to come and worship him too. Well, they didn't come back. So you know what he did? He sent a bunch of soldiers down there and every child in that area He killed every child under two years old. If you had a two-year-old child, a one-year-old child, he'd come in your house, he would take it out, and he'd kill it. You know why he did that? I got to kill this one, this born king of the Jews. There can't be no king but me. And who was that standing there like that? That was this great red dragon to devour The man-child, the deviled Christ when he come into this world. And I tell you, look what it says here in verse 4. His tail drew the third part of the stars and did cast them to the earth. You know, when Satan fell, he dragged with him one third of the stars of heaven. Those are all angels, fallen angels, evil spirits. And you know it says, look in Jude. You know, I can show you two or three places. But it says here, you know, it talks about that that, that God has these dark spirits, these spirit spirits are held under chains to be reserved until the day of judgment. Look here in Jude in verse 6. I think it's verse 6. Yep. Yeah. Now here's what we're talking about. And the angels... Which kept not their first estate, and that first estate's the same thing as a principality. Didn't keep where they was, but left their own habitation. They left glory. Satan took them out with him. He hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the de- judgment of the great day. Now what that means is, is that Christ, these people, these demons, live in darkness. And Christ has power over them. He's got a chain over and They can't do anything or go anywhere and do anything to anybody until God lets them do it. And I tell you what, one thing you don't want is God to let Satan loose on you. He turned him loose on Adam. Look what happened. Turned him loose on Job. Look what happened. And then God <clears throat> then God here says back over here in our text she brought that, that man child and our Lord Jesus Christ he's the one that's going to rule all nations. He's going to rule with a rod of iron. And he was caught up to heaven. Caught up to be with God. And this woman which is like I said the church she fled into the wilderness and that's where we are. Would anybody say we're not in the wilderness? We're in the wilderness. And I'll tell you what so she hath a place prepared of God. God's got a place prepared for us. Right here's one of the places He prepared. He prepared this place. He prepared this building. He prepared healers. He prepared a preacher. He prepared His word. He prepared us a place to live in this wilderness. God prepared us a place. (laughs) And you know why you're coming here? I'm going to get out of the wilderness for a few minutes. I'm going to go up there where 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 that cloud keeps us of the day. Keeps us of the... Light keeps us of a night, and know that God should feed her. God, listen. Then who knows who feeds her? God does. And I, you know what that twelve hundred, two thousand, two hundred and three score days is? I don't know, and don't care. But I know He prepared a place for us. He' gonna feed us, and we're in this wilderness until He calls us out. Ain't that right? Well, I hope that made sense. I hope that come out right. I tell you this is this is a task. it's a task for me. I know if it's a task for me I know it's a task for you to listen and now I've got four more points. <laughs> I, I love you no I don't. I sure love you and I pray the Lord to keep you. Our Father. Oh, blessed be your holy, glorious, blessed name. Oh Lord, you've got us a place prepared and we're prepared. you prepared it. You feed us. You protect us. You keep us. You brought us out of that darkness. Brought us out from that power of sin. Power of darkness. Saved us out of it. Brought us into that blessed light of the Lord Jesus Christ. Brought us into that glorious salvation that's in the Lord Jesus Christ. Brought us to that place and clothed us with that glorious sun, that righteousness of our Lord that shines, shines. and we can't see it shining, the Lord you can. You can see what bright it is and how glorious it is and how pure it is and How glistening white it is in your presence. And Father, bless these dear saints. Thank you for the day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your people's faithfulness. And Lord, I pray for those who haven't been to the services. I pray for them. Lord, it's not what I think about them or what I, what they think about me. But Lord, it's what God thinks. God's view of them. Lord, burden them. Move on their hearts to come. Be in the services. Hear the gospel priest. Hear Christ honored. Be with the people of God. Be with the family of God. Be with the sheep. God, grant it for Christ's sake. Protect your people now and keep them for the Lord Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me salvation so rich and free well good night God bless you Lord willing to see you Wednesday